They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. And before I get into my very special returning guest, one half of a duo of returning guests, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons who keep this thing going particularly during the crazy pandemic we are all living through. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott R. Curie, and Shaw Hansen Gusted. And to my newest patron, Max Fries, thank you all so much. This show... Um, like some of my shows have been brought to you before, I'll put their official um, ad in here, though, is brought to you by Adventure Incorporated, because why not? We have part of Adventure Incorporated with us today. Um, way back in the earlier days of shooting the shit, um, both Steph and Mike, um, both part of Adventure Incorporated, were on. And today we have just Steph. So introduce yourself, good friend. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Stephanie Crignola. I am a podcaster, I guess. Um, I guess I can call myself that now. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I would have never thought like three and a half years ago, like not only was I not doing podcasts, I didn't even listen to them. Like, well, maybe like four years ago, I think the first one I ever listened to was Welcome to Night Vale. And I fell in love with that damn thing. And then... Um, my buddy Tim was like, I'm going to do a podcast about movies. You should come on. And I've since been on like 40 episodes or something crazy of his show. But even before that, like that was just something like I'm on Tim's show. Cool. Never <laughs> thought I'd make one. And now I make like four and I've been on 60 different shows and it's chaos. And I found you guys right around the time I started, which is really cool. Yeah, it really kind of we Adventure Incorporated hit that right before that swell of D&D shows. And now we've got like a billion out there, but we started um, almost five years ago at this no point. So we were way. right at the bubble, right at the uh, the start of the wave. <laughs> but yeah. It's really been that long? Wow. Yeah, our campaign is over. Like in March, we're done. Uh, so all the, that's exper why the experiment is complete. <laughs> the five, <laughs> the five year season will come to an end. I um, think that's amazing. The, <laughs> let me get my friends together and figure out a way to force them to show up by putting it online. And now you guys are, it, it was funny when you started, like you said, you hit right at that cusp. And I, you know, I saw Mike post about it and didn't know, I told you this in the show that Mike was in it. I, he just, because he just kind of shared it and said, hey, a D&D &D podcast, not like, hey, a D&D &D podcast that I'm on. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll listen to a D&D &D podcast. And I got I got into it like a couple episodes and I would start mentioning, hey, does anyone listen to any D&D &D podcast? And there were only a few people knew of. Yeah. So everyone was always like, oh, yeah, have you heard Venture Incorporated? And I'm like, how does like literally this thing is ballooning like so so because you know you expect someone to say like critical role you know and stuff like that I mean right, they're, the incredible. They're, they're incredible you know but um no but uh yeah so obviously people people have an episode to hear the story of of that and that's awesome that that's going so great and it's going to be coming to an end did you guys you guys did a um a virtual con this year didn't you we did dragon con online yeah. this year yeah we were in person last year uh, it was our first year going, so we did a live show down there, and we're super lucky to get that, and it went so well, and they, for whatever reason, asked us to come back when it was online, so we did an online live show, uh, as well as a couple other panels through Dragon Con, so that was very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, the, the cons are great, and virtual cons this year, they've been so creative. Um, I've, I've gone to like three or four, and it's just been, I, I, I love the idea and the feeling of community of going to a con. Yeah. And I've only recently started experiencing it because they've only recently been so accessible. You know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. But um, the virtual ones that the on-demand version of it, I think is really quite 
impressive and it's an accessibility breakthrough. Absolutely. And the ability Uh, to, to ask questions and uh, clarify things throughout or do live Q and A's in such a, a more streamlined format uh, instead of that, you know, long line down the center of the ballroom, you just have them coming in through chat and it's just, it opens up so many doors for people who can't travel. It opens up, like you said, so many uh, sound and visual accessibility options that just weren't there in person. And it's such a cool way that they've worked around obviously less than ideal circumstances. No, no, it's, it's not ideal at all, but it's, it's created now. I, I really hope moving forward, they're able to incorporate it into the con. So -hmm. you've got a, okay, we've got, you know, a a live stream of this Q and A or something. So, you know, obviously you don't get the, you know, obviously if it's a paid for experience, you got to make sure you still, there's, these are people that have to eat. Right. But, but, you know, someone that can't go either through, yeah, accessibility issues or debilitating social issues, you know, things of that nature that they, that they aren't left out of the conversation. Right. And, and yeah. I think that's awesome. Now, on, on that other show, when I had you on, you, you talked about a love of Shakespeare and how yes. you had been doing some um, some live performances at the time. Right. Um, and t- how did that go? I know that they were just starting, I think, when we recorded. Yeah. So we did um, just about every week uh, through the summer. We did uh, just a live read of a Shakespeare show online we would have people sign up and then I would kind of roll the dice for parts so people were playing you know I had a a 20 year old girl playing Prospero in the Tempest right like everyone had an had the uh, opportunity to play like this randomization of roles and it was so cool because it opened up so much of you know breaking type and giving people the chance to even just read online roles that they never would necessarily get the chance to do on stage so it was very fun and you know we got a little better at it as we kept going but yeah that would just be it speaking of you know someone that's into D, you know mm-hmm. and, and and role playing and you know in general that would just be a fun role playing game to do with friends that i never even would think of is just to bring out a movie or a play or something that you're into and just live read it as a group even if you just picked scenes you know yeah that's a really damn good idea. Well, it helps you kind of create character and get in, especially if you, if you, if it's a movie, you know, and love, you know, the characters, and then it just kind of, you're always going to put your own personal spin on whatever character you're playing. So it allows you to kind of meld those together and find something new and interesting that you could then bring forward into a different campaign. Now, did you give the people a chance? Like, obviously, you know, if they're signing up to do a live read of Shakespeare, they know a little bit of Shakespeare. But I would imagine you never know what you're going to get dealt, right? So, you know, there's still that um, on your toes improv type of aspect, even though you have the words. Oh, yeah. So did you you give them time to... (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Wow. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Give them time to read through and get to know the character or the words, or did you just kind of dive right in? By time, if you count like a day as time, then yes, I did. That's time. That's time. <laughs> yeah, I they, mean, had, not, they, like, they had about I, a day. I wasn't sure if like the dice roll was and in five minutes, you're up. Here you go. <laughs> you know? No, but I would love that. I would love that too. Oh, me, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, there's actually, I, I like the incorporation of dice roll in, into podcasting and things of one because of the D&D thing. But two, um, speaking of Welcome to Night Vale, uh, they just started and I just found out about it. So I'm just jazzed to talk about it, but it's a quick aside because it reminded me of it. They started a horror podcast and not like a night veil. It wasn't story. It was Cecil Baldwin is a horror fanatic and Jeffrey Craner, who's the other creator of the show, doesn't like horror at all. And so Cecil is trying to make horror accessible to Jeffrey by forcing him to watch movies and talk about them. Okay. But they, they pick genre types on one dice and go or, um, and villain type on another dice and roll dice. And then they have to come up with a movie mutually with those two that fits the category. And that's the next show they do. And I've been listening to it. What I love is that you get Cecil who's obviously seen everything they come up with pretty much, but it one you know he brings you know being being the type of gentleman that he is he he brings 
a whole social aspect to the horror movies. He may have seen these when he was a kid, and now he's a very out and proud gay man. So he's able to look at them again under a different lens. But then Jeffrey Craner is just talking about how he couldn't get through Dead Alive because it just made him want to throw up. And, you know, you get the two of them just having fun with each other. And they add the, the Night Vale style spin to, like, how they talk about it. And they do, you know, like a ghost story at the end, a really quick, like, one-line ghost story. And I'm like, and I never knew it existed. It's called Random, Random Number Generator Horror Podcast Number 9 is what it's called. And it is hilarious. And your your Shakespeare thing just made me think of it because it's like yeah. any anything to put like that's why when I have people on my show, I like to kind of go in cold and let the conversation grow because there's something about there's a comfort to not knowing what you're going to talk about. But also if it's someone that like I feel like I'm just a person that is very friendly and makes people comfortable. So when you just let the conversation go, you don't feel like it was work. Yeah. <laughs> you you <Yeah>. know, and <laughs> and 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 I think that's really important because why would we waste each other's time? Right. You know? Right. Well, and, and there's something to be said for like that genuine growth of conversation and experiencing things fresh as you're going through them. So then the, the Shakespeare thing ties into the fact that you've started a podcast and um, I wanted to have you on to, to learn more about it. Because again, I, I know Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. I am not versed, should I say. And um, I, I did. I went to England. I watched a show performed in the Globe Theater or the rebuilt Globe Theater. The, yeah. It was amazing. I, like everybody, I'm sure that even studies Shakespeare, had to sit there and kind of go, yeah, I don't really know what the hell he just said. <laughs> um, but you can you can infer the acting does a lot to an infer because we don't speak that version of English anymore. So it's 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 very verbose and hard to deduce. But um there was something about seeing a show played in that theatrical setting that reminded me of like a punk rock show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's just With something the about like, yeah, it's just like, we're making, it feels gorilla. And like, it feels mm -hmm. like, it feels like, and, and this is something I've always loved about Shakespeare is that people are so like, you know, you can have a very stuck up, very respectable person goes out for a night of the theater but the shows and the context that's being put on is very grimy and dirty and, you know, very grungy and like uh, of the streets, you know, mm -hmm. it would seem. And so you get that kind of like juxtaposition of, you know, you put this in a crowd today and the crowd might as well just be, you know, punk rock kids. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and I loved, even though I don't like the movie all that much, um, I liked that idea, the Roland Emmerich anonymous film. Did you ever see this? Oh, I, I don't did. like I don't <laughs> like the film. I don't like the film. But there's a particular shot of the movie of Shakespeare of the guy who really was who does that crowd surf thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, there's your image. I know this movie doesn't work, but I get that that's probably <laughs> the first thing you thought about and went like we can build a whole thing around this. Yes. I absolutely. Get it. And so that's that's and, and that's how I felt in this theater is, you know, I'm I'm there as a you know, a guy, a tourist surrounded by people who are, you know, addressed to the nines like they're at, you know, the, the opera, but we're watching, you know, might as well be being performed in like a basement on like a sawdust floor, you know, right. kind of thing. And I loved that about it. I actually directed a Julius Caesar um, about five years ago and we did punk rock Caesar. We had a punk rock band on stage. Yes. Um, Mike was actually, uh, he pretty much chose all of the music to go through the show. Of course um, he did. <laughs> we had a live, uh, my sister's husband built a network, like built an internet for us. And we streamed, we live streamed on a projector, a Twitter feed throughout. So oh, he like cool. built, built like a, a closed circuit Twitter. So like as things were happening in the play, because that play especially is so like, uh, you know, crowd- mentality Crowd influenced and sourced right. yeah oh, so we yeah. had everything live tweeted through the show and then you've got this punk music and everyone is just grunge and it's it was so it's probably one of my favorite things that not to like talk about how amazing I am but it was probably my favorite thing that I've directed because it just worked so uh seamlessly and so naturally wow I can <laughs> I can I can picture it and it, it's really, you know, it, it reminds me of, um, of what they did for a uh, Hedvig and the angry inch mm, that like mm -hmm. projected drawn on. I, I just, I love anything that feels 
it feels like it's organic and kind of happening in front of your eyes. And, and I yeah. know that that's what theater is, Chris, but you know, like it's <laughs> gro- like the, the characters don't feel like they were written to be that way. They feel like it's happening. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's really important. And so your, your, your podcast is, um, well, tell, tell me about it. Let's, let's get into it. Well, yeah. So kind of like you were saying earlier, it's fun to, uh, it's fun to not be prepared for anything. And that's kind of uh, how I structured this show. So I have a guest on every week and we do kind of battles of best ofs is the best way I can put it. So best couple, best clown, um, what character would win the bachelorette, what character would have the best (laughs) Tinder bio, right? And my guest gets to bring both arguments. So for the Tinder episode, my guest brought Mercutio and said, Mercutio, I think Mercutio would have the best Tinder Tinder bio. And that's that's solid. Yep. And then (laughs) they get to choose who I have to argue for. Oh my God. So then she says, okay, now you think Hamlet would have the best Tinder bio. So now I have to improvise and scramble and try my best to justify like, all right, here is how this whiny emo boy will definitely be successful on Tinder. (laughs) So it's fun because I get to like be a little bit on my toes and I get to kind of pull from uh the random like little bits of things and spin them in a way that I can make an argument out of them (laughs) and the the name of it was because I think you told me the name before we started recording oh yeah it's called protest too much as in the lady doth (laughs) yep yeah I I I love that that works on multiple levels that's Mm -hmm. that's that's both yeah that's both a cool a cool Shakespeare wink that's very cynical and all, it, it, it's wonderful. I, I, I love you. it. So, um, yeah, so, so get, what, what were some of like the, how long have you been doing it? Because, uh, I mean, we, we, we've set this up a little bit ago, so. Yeah, uh, our first episode was released in mid-August. Yeah. So for three months now, I guess. Yeah. So how many episodes have you done? We've done one a week. So I think we're at like 15 or maybe next week is 15. And then Damn. I have them recorded through February. Yeah, so. me too. <laughs> My show is your 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 into the February releases here. Yep. Um, even though I've been even though I would imagine because you have something we're trying to promote now. I'll pro- I'll work it into the the newer, but I just I have so many. Everybody wants to talk to me. Everybody's so bored. <laughs> no, no, yeah, um, I, I feel that. <laughs> no, but it's 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 wonderful because um, you know, that is I haven't really heard much similar to that. You know, people do that with pop culture. I mean, you, you get the shows of people shipping people to this guy. and that, But that's a very interesting bend. It reminded me of a, of a thought I had the other day. Um, I was on some forum talking about found footage movies. And I said, well, you know, has anyone really done one with time travel? And I know there's been a few like recorded yesterday or whatever it was called. But has anyone done it where people time travel to time periods where they didn't have cameras? Oh, and then like, so you find a found footage tape, like, <laughs> but it'd been like, there's no way like in this ancient pyramid of Giza, we should find, you know, an <laughs> SLR camera with a right. memory card full of pictures. But now we have Tutankhamun's last days of life right here. I get, you know, it's like, That's okay. super fun. But um, I just, you know, like the, the, uh, the subplots of a back to the future film that no one had investigated yet. Sure. Right. But, um, but it, you know, it, it taps into something like what you're saying here with the Shakespeare stuff, because no one, no one would have thought of what what Tinder is with them, or you know what the Bachelorette. But taking them and and juxtaposing it into pop culture and something someone can understand means you'll get a listener that only knows the names from like right. remembers oh high school. I remember Mercutio. It was this guy and Hamlet. Yeah, he's yeah. You're right. He is a dumb emo guy. Like of course, like you know, and and um, I think that that is the hardest thing to figure out with podcasting is how you can be geeky about the thing you deep dive into, but make it access, but make it accessible to people that, you know, that's what I thought was great about adventure incorporated is like, you do not know how to play D don't have to know how to play (laughs) D and D at all to, to enjoy that show. I certainly did not know how to play D and D at all when we started. (laughs) But also, the the purpose of his show is to tell a story with his friends, Mm -hmm. and the fact that you guys are playing D and D is not the crutch of the show. It's this happens to be D and D is the delivery device. You know what I mean? Um, And and the the Shakespeare thing at the same time. You want to geek out about Shakespeare with your friends, like that's the reason for doing the show. I want to geek out 
with people about stuff I don't even know I'm geeky about yet. That's why I do this show. But, um, you know, finding that and getting an audience is, is, is a wonderful thing. And I, um, you know, is, is it, is it going well to you getting a good response? I'm really happy with it. Uh, awesome. We are about to hit our first thousand downloads. Yes. Oh, so. that's great. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And it's amazing how different um, podcasting is than even like YouTube video creation and how YouTube quickly started moving the way of podcasting about four or five years ago too. Cause it used to be when I put my first episode of the tangent up with my brother, you know, it had his name attached to it. So it was like, Oh yeah, you've got like 9,000 views. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And then I did. And then I did the first audio version of it. And it was like 120. And I was like, huh. <laughs> and it's, it's all in where people's like YouTube is just, there's something about it where right. people, people just expect a certain thing and it's changed. And um, you know, so, so podcasting growing that audience happens so, so much slower Oh, it but, does. but you get, I think when you get interactions from people, I feel like they're way more like they're, you, like I've made friends through podcasting, you made fans through podcasting that like, they feel like they know you on a deeper level and like, they want to be friends. And, yeah. and I don't mean that in a creepy way. It's like, they listen and they understand and they get me. There's more like, like community engagement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's not just clicks and, you know, Oh, check check out your bro and hey fan, you know what I mean? Let's Damn. let's let's go, smash let's that go like talk. button, bruh. Yeah, let's go check about Shakespeare, bruh. <laughs> you know, Shakespeare would have totally clicked my bell, you know, or or whatever. It's like, to be I fair, Shakespeare would have clicked any bell he came across. So. Yeah, shakes shakes. Yes, yes, he would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like it's cool because yeah, yeah, back um, to your show sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no I, but like building from that uh i do the audience gets to vote each week on who oh, they cool. think won the argument so getting that engagement has been really fun um because i i feel like it's you know i get some downloads which is awesome and then i get the extra engagement uh with that form and it just feels like it's it's cool because I'm like oh maybe someone did listen to this show yeah, that I decided one, to do and, and that's the thing is people people forget you know like especially people like to be cynical about it oh you're just mm -hmm. another you know white guy with a podcast you know or just <laughs> another and and, you, and you, oh it's probably just you and your friends talking about movies yeah yeah crap it is you're right you got the stereotype <laughs> down perfect but when you get one engagement. Mm -hmm. It means so when it's like, and especially when you like realize this person listened to every word I said. Yeah. And like, they were like way into it. And like, I kind of go catatonic when I'm talking, like, I don't really remember, I don't write down what I say. So it's like, I have to go back and go, did I say that? Shit. <laughs> but, um, so, so with that, you know, what, um, have, have your, have your guest selection been mostly friends and people you've done work with, or like, how has been the pool for figuring out who gets to be on? So, uh, I started with mostly friends. Um, but I was really, I was lucky enough this summer, uh, there was a group. And so as I was doing my like little community Shakespeare reads online, um, there's a group based out of England called the show must go online and which is such a clever name. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> so they just actually on Wednesday finished the complete chronological works of William Shakespeare. They did 36 plays in 36 weeks with what? actors from around the globe, like three days of rehearsal. They did like prop passing through the Zoom screens. They did special what? effects. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. I'm going to look this up. What? Yeah. <laughs> They are like absolutely incredible. And from whatever, you know, so they just had, they had the form out for people to sign up and they had like 500 people sign up every week. And by, you know, whatever luck, I got to be part of a reading of, speaking of Back to the Future. Um, have you heard of the, like William Shakespeare Star Wars? Yes, yes. So Ian Desher who wrote that uh, also wrote Get Thee Back to the Future. Much Ado About Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> so I got to be part of, right? <laughs> so I got to be part of Get Thee Back to the Future, which oh. was A, an amazing experience. 
and B connected me with this whole community of Shakespeare nerds essentially around the globe. So I've had a couple of them on the podcast as well, which has been, I had a guest from Singapore. Like in what world? So cool. So right? cool. <laughs> it, I, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing something with an Australian guy next Friday night. And I'm like, what is happening yeah. here? <laughs> yeah. And, and so much of, of what has been unfortunate about the past eight months has also opened up so much. Not that we couldn't do it before, but we never really reached out you know, it's opened up so much just like simplicity of reaching it, across the it, globe. It sent networking 20 years into the future. Absolutely. Is, is, and, and not and, and what it did is it did that without creating any new technology. It did it with technology that already existed. It just forced companies and people to embrace it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and I think that's unbelievable. And like like you said, the community, you, you literally, your, your show... And that community have benefited from finding each other, which is not something that usually happens at this scale with someone's hobby. Right. It's yes. usually something that happens at this scale when you're trying to, you know, make multi-million dollar deals to screw people over. And so <laughs> use it. That's not the for, point of podcasting. No. Uh, shh, shh, okay. We we can't let them in on that yet or else or else or else the Republicans will start doing it. <laughs> and then we, <laughs> um, <laughs> just like with mail-in voting, we need them to think it doesn't work. No. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Whew, the conspiracy is, 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 is free. Uh, ain't no, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we don't try, we don't normally try to go there, but it's the world we're living in. I mean, yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it, it's, it's amazing because it's, again, it's it, the world is awful out there. People are dying. Shit is real. It sucks. But the positive of connections and new new ways to th- this is at a level of like you know, um, it, I hate using the word renaissance in a term that like when you're when you're in the middle of it, but it, yeah. it feels it feels like that for communication it feels like social networking which was this terrible bane of existence for so long finally served a purpose of you can actually stay home and not get sick now and have a full relationship with the world right and that's that and create art and share art and see see things through a beautiful lens and re-experience the great works without having to you know you have a whole group of people you can communicate about Shakespeare with you can you can um, get into it by making jokes and turning it into something fun instead of it being like a stodgy, like um, uh, members only club that's inaccessible, which is Absolutely. what a lot of old works turn into. Um, you know, it, it's something like, like Hamilton does where it goes, yeah. Hey, history, you don't like history. What if we make history hilarious? You know what <laughs> I mean? And, and, yeah. and, 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 and very modern and poke fun. And it, it and again, do we have to get everything 100% historically accurate? That's not the point. You're going to go read now, aren't you? And that's... Like, that's the thing is that, you know, you look at Shakespeare's histories and they're, they're pop pieces. And Shakespeare's plays in general are, they are pop. Like they're, they weren't highbrow. It was lowbrow entertainment and it has become, and I think that's a lot of the, not to get on my Shakespeare soapbox, but like that's a lot of no, the problem with Shakespeare <laughs> today is that, People take Shakespeare as if it's this, you know, uh, pedestal. Uh, it only must be spoken in in an RP accent, and it has to be classy. And like, it's not. Shakespeare is dirty and and just it's lowbrow pop. Shakespeare, not even Shakespeare, literature. It's like lowercase L literature. Shakespeare is like dirty gangster rap being sung with a symphony orchestra. That's. You know what I mean? It, it, like it, 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 it's it's somebody sitting there and going, "This is of the people. This is like what. This is a representation of what's popular and what people like, but through the lens, through a delivery mechanism that was mostly being used to deliver <clears throat> high art." And, right, exactly. And, and and I and I love anything that can break down those types of doors. And for you know, for someone to call, well, no, Shakespeare is an elevated version of that. It's like shut up with your damn elevated word. <laughs> like it can be intelligent and be well written and still be 
like popping and trashing yeah. you know what i mean there's nothing wrong with that yeah i mean in <laughs> his his histories are trashy like they're trashy versions oh yeah loosely 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 based on history like if you're getting your legitimate history from a shakespeare play you need to you need to check your references <laughs> So, um, you know, obviously I, I don't want to give away, I want listeners to go listen to your show, but um, what's been some of the most surprising, like, because you don't know what your guests are going to pull and do you pick a specific play that they have to stay within the confines of? Nope. Oh, so you don't even, so, so, yo, wow. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, so what were some of like the, like, and, and do you, do you, do you react on point? Like, is it like you start recording and they tell you who it is? Yep. Oh my yep. God. Cause you love improv. So, okay. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what are some of the ones that like were the hardest? Were there any that you just bombed? Were um, you like, so, I mean, I'm sure it's still fun even if you do, but you know, the hardest one was for the best villain episode. Uh-oh. And my guests had me argue. Um, the winter's tale is one of his less produced plays. Uh, it's not one I'm very familiar with because I just kind of don't like it very much. Um, there is a boy, a seven-year-old boy, <laughs> Mamilius in The Winter's Tale. And my guest had me argue that seven-year-old Mamilius is the best villain in all of Shakespeare's work. <laughs> this kid has like seven lines. It's like a child. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so... Without going, I mean, I don't want to blow the show, but mm. like, what what was your angle? Oh, I did pretty amazing. Um, there's a, so basically the dad in that play, Leontes, is the villain of the play, essentially, if there is one. Uh, and at one point the kid says, you know, they say I'm just like you or whatever. Oh, so did you Malfoy it? Is that what And you that did? was, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was like, the question is not what he, and the kid like dies in the play. So I was like, the question is not who he is, but is who he would have become. It's just a total trash, you know, awful. But like, that was the most scrambly I had to be. And it was so much fun. I loved it. <laughs> now, do you do you do it debate style where you guys are back and forthing it? Do they get to counterpoint you, or is yes. it? Oh, yeah. oh, wow! It's like loose loose debate. So they'll give their argument, I'll give mine, and then we'll kind of just go back and forth, and then it descends into chaos. Sometimes we end up trying to prove each other's points. I'm like, no, but actually, that that's a good. And then I forget that I'm supposed like, to be <laughs> like any good geek conversation, right? If if yeah. you were just antagonistic the whole time, it would never be fun. Yeah. Well, and some of them are kind of fluff and funny like that and the Tinder one. But then uh, I had a professor, a poetry professor on for best leader. And we got into this really like deep and academic and genuine conversation of uh, King Lear and Titus Andronicus. And it was just like a half an hour of just passionate discussion about these two characters when it wasn't really an argument. It wasn't a super debate. It just turned into this like, uh gushing over these two two characters and how they grow and change and it was that was a cool one too so there's like a gamut of of styles and tones to each episode and and it's not like you don't have um a well of people to pull from right for characters jesus the guy exactly the guy wrote massive (laughs) plays sometimes Um, yeah so do you this and this is like a question that i ask myself if you had like a bucket list of like guests, like would is there anybody who you would just like, I mean, obviously my bucket list of guests is full of people that I would probably freeze up if I ever got a chance to talk to you, right? Like I would love to have Steven Spielberg on, mm. you know, um, uh, freaking um, Mike Flanagan makes some of my favorite horror movies of all time, Kevin Smith, but all of these people, I would be like a stuttering little kid probably if I got them on. But, you know, to talk Shakespeare, mm-hmm. there's got to be some people and, and it doesn't, you know, there's, you know, having like a poetry professor must be a joy just because it's like, OK, this, I mean, I'm in my element. We're just going to, you know, go go academic on each other for an hour. Yep. <laughs> but um, like, is is there and again, it might doesn't even have to be people that I necessarily know. But like, um, do you have any? Uh, so my top top tier dream guest is David Tennant. Yeah, I was you and I were on the same page. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I he's my he's my favorite actor. He's brilliant. He's funny. 
Uh, he is everything that I want to be in my life. And so I think he would probably be the, the top, top uh, of dream guests. But that's, yeah, I mean, I, awesome. there are so many brilliant Shakespearean directors and actors out there that like, I, I don't even know. Like, I haven't really thought about it too much because I haven't let my mind wander there. I do, I am having um, Ian Desher on next week for Thanksgiving. Yay! Oh, that's awesome. Which is like a pretty big dream yeah. guest. So <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're moving on up. We're <laughs> and, so, and sometimes you just fall into it. I, I had um, recently, and this uh, probably by the time your and I's episode releases, this one won't even have released yet. So this will be a, um, a spoiler or a teaser, Ooh. but um, do you, are you aware of, of Warhammer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Th there's a writer in Warhammer and he's worked for the company for a long time. And now he works for league of legends. I did not know how big of a deal this guy was when I read his book for the first time, because again, you get an author on and it's like, cool, I'm going to have an author on. That's a big deal. And then uh -huh. like, I was talking to him, but I had Graham McNeil, who's like this big Scottish New York times. I recognize author. the name. And he works. He's a, he's a senior writer for league of legends now. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, not only is this one of the best interviews I've ever had, like I'm like looking him up while we're talking because I go into things cold and I'm like, this is like, this guy should have been on my bucket list guest list. And he was just so happy to be on and like talk. And I like, and, and also I love when you have someone that like you've read a work. And so you, you immediately, it puts them in a different box, no matter what, because mm -hmm. it's not like, like if I run into somebody at a convention, I forget necessarily that like where we're, it, it puts you all on an even playing field but reading a book first and knowing a person by their writing and then going okay that that puts him in a box like up here yeah so it's like I'm a me but then like I'm talking to him and he's like yeah I'm in my office and he's got you know all of his Warhammer miniatures behind him <laughs> and he's got he's got you know he, he was talking about how he used to take D&D &D when he was playing it with his friends and write his own stories and create battles and he said, D&D &D isn't really about large scale battles. So that's how I ended up getting into the Warhammer community. As my friend said, that game that you're writing when we play already exists. And here it is over here. And so that, <laughs> that's how he moved his way into it. That's but, cool. um, but like, you know, talking to him, but it, it, it humanized it because you get like a picture like, you know, you and I have of each other right now. But I hear a noise and I go, oh, what happened? And he goes, oh, he goes, no, my wife's doing yoga in the other room and my son's on his Zoom school. And I was like, all right, so we're all just in the same thing together. Yeah. But then, but then you hear him deep dive into the lore that he writes right off the top of his head. And it's like, I love finding the things that people are just geeks about. Yeah. Well, and that's it, been one of the best things about this because people are like, Shakespeare is a very niche yeah. uh, thing. And when you find people who are also interested in uh, like, bringing it into modern relevant uh, perspectives like that's a, it's a subset of nerds that is like my wheelhouse and there are so many people and it's been so nice to get to connect up with so many of them yeah it's finding that person that's a multifaceted enthusiast and not yeah. like because when because again not that there's anything wrong with it but you find someone all I do is Shakespeare all day long and you go okay cool we'll talk that's fine but finding that other thing that excites them and then mm -hmm. they bleed over that that's, that's why I love cons. Cause you find out that, Hey, you were on the football team in high school. I didn't know you were, he goes, Oh dude, I am so into Pokemon. And it's like, oh, all right. Like, <laughs> and he's like in a Bulbasaur costume and you're like, all right. Yeah. We're, I guess we're all just as strange as each other. This is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so what um what's been one of some of your favorite arguments that someone else brought to the table that's a great question um i oh man um i really loved we did a actually uh it'll be coming out around this we did a best sibling episode and my guest brought uh, the brothers from cymbeline and cymbeline mm -hmm. is my favorite shakespeare play and i feel like there's a very specific subset of people who love Cymbeline and then 99% of the rest of Shakespeare nerds. And so the fact that she brought these two boys from Cymbeline and I was just like, yes, I can't even, I don't even want to argue for my side because I love your argument so much. But that was really exciting because it just shows, you know, 
how invested in the plays, like the, the rarer plays that I love, other people are and can be. That's, that's really cool. Now, something that's popping into my head while I'm thinking about this, do you ever find yourselves, and again, this, this I feel comes with any creator or artist that you respect, you always have, oh, well, what if you did a little more with that character? Or what if they didn't make that decision? Does, does that ever come in? Do you ever get like, um, you know, re revisionist history or, or a fanfic when you go in? Because that's basically what you're doing, right? Is it's, it's a little bit on that, especially when you play with Tinder profiles and stuff. <laughs> but does, does that ever come out? And like, is, is, or is there any personal ones like that? that you're like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be better if, you know, that little kid didn't die and he did become, um, uh, you know, Lex Luthor and <laughs> destroyed the universe? <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because um, uh, we had uh, like most independent or should stay single character episode. <laughs> and... Most of the men in all of Shakespeare. How about the? <laughs> so we actually talked about three women because oh. my guest was like, I want to talk about why they deserve their own stories, essentially. Like they don't nice. need the men in their plays. So we talked about Lady Macbeth, Desdemona, and Ophelia. And so we were talking about that and... Uh, my guest was saying uh, that he just is so disappointed sometimes in the last, you know, third of Shakespeare plays because you have Lady Macbeth and Lady Macbeth up, 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 and then just that crash and how unfair. He's like, you know, you're almost there, Shakespeare. You've almost written this perfect woman. And then you just, society tells you, you can't have this strong, independent woman all the way it's, through the play. So you take it away from torturous. Her. It's torturous. You, you, you read it and, and it's, again, part of the storyline is that you're supposed to feel bad for them a lot of the time. But it's even more than that. It's, it's like the author's hand is being held and pushed to do right. that. And you feel that character being betrayed. And that's, right. yeah, wow. Right, because he does such a good job of, um, and my guest uh, said that Shakespeare was the Tyler Perry of his time. And how when he watches Tyler Perry movies, he's like, you're almost there. And then it just falls. And for me, I was saying Stephen King, because that last two chapters, when it's always just aliens or giant spiders, uh -huh. you're like, you're almost there. And then just whatever convention you're playing to kind of drops off the end of it. That Tyler Perry allegory is fascinating because... I, Tyler Perry seems like the nicest human being in the world. Like lo lo looking at him in interviews, it's just like, I have, I know that Tyler Perry has his hands in some less than good stuff. And he's probably involved in nasty churches and things that people in his wheelhouse seem to get involved in. And all. Is but, he? I don't know. Much no, no, no. Perry. I just, no, I just, I, I can only imagine just sometimes when you fall in with a certain lowest common denominator of expectation, there's certain people you have to be in bed with, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but again, that, that just comes with being in Hollywood and making, you know, certain types of movies, um, you know, like, I, I feel like his movies are one step above, like, the left behind crowd sometimes, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, where it's almost like religious conspiracy theory movie, but no, it's just for your grandmother who also likes those movies, right. you know, but, um, but, but he writes, he, he acts and performs and writes fascinating characters within his you know, happy Madison style world that he's created over there. Um, and again, he's making movies for a, for a subset of people, a minority in, in film in Hollywood that don't get as much on screen. Um, so he's doing a great, great thing, but it's that studios and the world still wants that lowest common denominator. That's so, so that's exactly. Yes. Yeah. It ends up wanting to be like a bad sitcom instead of something with weight. And, right. and a real message and a real story. But you're right. It feels like the rug is being pulled out from under it. It feels like he wants to make that other movie. Exactly. Exactly. And how wants Shakespeare his... wants to write these powerful women and then has to, you know, because of what the expectation for uh, female characters on stage was, uh, like, has to kind of pull it back at that last second. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Anna, you know, we were, and I'm sure as, as amazed as you are, we're talking about Tyler Perry when we're talking about Shakespeare, yeah. but um, the, the Stephen King thing is really important too. It's that, you know, yeah. And, and I just never know with King if it's a, cause he's an odd, odd duck. And, <laughs> and I, I just never know if it's, 
if one, if that's really how he just feels like ending the story, which mm-hmm. is fine. If it's that it's now an expectation, so it's his trope, like Stephen mm. King had, or if he's trying to like subvert by like kind of going, I'm just gonna go freaking weird on you now. Yeah. And and I don't know like what or or because it's not that he's a bad writer. No. He definitely isn't that. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's it's almost like he's at a point in his career like a lot of people like your your Quentin Tarantinos and people of the world that could just use a handler or an editor every once in a while to kind of go maybe you should a do a little do a little less of you right now can you <laughs> dial back the you right now <laughs> and that and that that comes through full circle with adaptations of Stephen King works is yes. people focus on that one aspect and forget that what people really love about him is the well-rounded characters and the deep long um, important backstories and they forget that part and that that's why the second it movie worked so much less than the first and even though it's made by the same people they went yeah these parts of the book are impossible to adapt so we're just gonna kind of <laughs> let it be <laughs> and you're like oh yeah. and i think that i think and, and, Sh- and shakespeare was definitely uh riddled with that but more so in in the de- like you're right god well a depiction of a woman as a strong character at all in writing men was unheard of. So right. getting getting three acts of of perfect progressive writing and then one to go and then she dies. Right, exactly. Well, and, and it's like <laughs> it's and it's it's tough too because he deserves so much credit for uh, writing the women that he does in all the comedies. You know, I read in an article once Shakespeare has no heroes, only heroines. Damn. And if you look at, like, think about all of the male lead characters. Like, they're never, I think the only hero, from my perspective, who is a main character in a Shakespeare play is Henry V. <coughs> Excuse me. It's all right. Um, I think he's the only one who has an upwards arc. Every yeah. Everyone else is just a disaster. And then you have these women who kind of come in and solve some problems or in the comedies, they come in and put the men in their places and then they're happy. We hope. <laughs> yes, we hope. We hope. <laughs> um, that's, that's wild. And, and yeah. so, and so you got, like I said, you've got, um, you've got an unlimited well, it would seem. Cause again, mm-hmm. cause y- because then you've got double time because you could be stuck arguing the other side from someone else. It's it's the matchings and the pair-ups and the counterpoints because you're not making it stick to a singular story. Right. You could just be like, oh, yeah, we want, you know, this this random soldier here um, can now be the foil in, to this person's whole thing. And you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it helps me connect some dots that I never really would have connected before. So now do you ever picture when you're talking about a character can you get like the because you, you've obviously seen multiple versions of plays and performances and readings but then theatrically Shakespeare I I, I really like that Shakespeare is one of the few ad, adaptation things where they really kind of let people go wild a little bit mm-hmm. like I, I love the Julie Taymors of the world that just come in and go yeah you know Titus would be crazy if they had machine guns <laughs> and you're just like all right well and Titus is one of my favorite um film adaptations because they just went so bonkers with it so bonkers <laughs> instead of act four like as is we're just gonna make it a whole drug trip yeah, instead yeah, why of not? just a little one why <laughs> not and but do you ever picture when you're thinking about a character is like your favorite performance of them when when you're coming up with these ideas or do you kind of um separate yourself from that i haven't really thought about it but I guess I do. I mean, I guess when I think of scenes or when I'm pulling moments, I'll think of I'll think of actors. Yeah. Nice. I just just always just stuff popping into my head as I go. Yeah. Um, no. I'll, I'll pay I'll pay closer attention to kind of the thought process as I go through them. But yeah, I imagine I do. Cool. Well, this I, I got to start listening. I, I had intended to at least listen to one episode before we did this, but life is life. What? Um, it's 2020. Everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> But no, um, you know, I, I like going into a cold because then it gives it gives me a chance to pick your brain. And, you know, maybe you haven't heard that question before. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. It's It's been a crazy day. So I'm going to I'm going to get a move on, even though I would talk to you and Mike for hours <laughs> on end anytime. Well, um, I appreciate it. This has been really fun. 
cool. I want to give you a chance, though, since since this show is yours as much as it is mine, this is your sounding board to say, promote, shout out anything you want. Sure. Uh, so Mike and I, as well as um, Anthony, our DM from Adventure Incorporated, started a podcast network called Serious Business Network, uh, <laughs> S-R-S-B-I-Z underscore network on the internet. Uh, so we've got our Adventure Incorporated, which is our Dungeons and Dragons show, and we will be starting, so right around, like maybe a month after this comes out, uh, we'll be starting our season two, which will be all new characters and all new fun. Um, and then we've got Protest Too Much, which is P2M Pod online, uh, which is the Shakespeare podcast. And then Mike and Anthony have a real dumb Pokemon show. It's wonderful. It's stupid. I love it. It's yes, like an- I've, I've, I've heard their Pokemon <laughs> show. It's wonderful. <laughs> like an npr style improvised pokemon expert show i laughed way too hard at it it's too funny for its own good um but that's ask the pokedex expert. so they're 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 funny bastards and, and again i i i anytime i hear mike's and again this is this is your show so i don't want to gush <laughs> i don't want to gush about mike we can gush about mike but but it's just one of those friends you make that just like just seeing his face and hearing him talk at the beginning of this it's an immediate smile because he's just so goddamn funny yeah you know what i mean and and in funny in a in a happy pleasant like kind of a way where it's just like i'm just happy this guy's around right now and i and i miss that and uh, and when i say it i see the smile on your face (laughs) that i have and and and, you know it just he's he's just a good dude and um and and I'm glad I got to meet you through knowing him. So yeah, same here. And through and through listening to you know you you all fumble through learning D and D for for five years, yeah. which was, has been wonderful as well. I finally have the hang of it, just to change to a new character for next season. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a riot. It's gonna be. An... Oh, you went. I'm still there here. Did I pop? Up? Did I? Sorry, my phone rang. Hooray. You're good. technology so uh, um you know thank you again so much for coming on and i i can't wait to dig into your show and to see where it goes and i'd love to have you on again sometime and you know talk about anything it's been a blast so thank you thank you steph for shooting the shit with chippa again thank (laughs) you for having me (laughs) and and thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all soon bye bye